What up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Have a pretty fun show today, uh, specifically with uh, my guest or slash co-host who is going to be doing a podcast uh, that we're going to host on the Fight Game uh, Podcast Network on on our SoundCloud channel. Uh, Brandon Draven, what's up, man? What's up, man? Just right here. Thanks for having me on. Um, Could talk a little little bit about uh, wrestling. Exactly. So... uh, you know, you you you've been on. You, you know, we've had you and Big D, and you know, we're all we're all sort of podcast friends. Uh, but I think the uh, the thing that I'm most excited about is that you are actually doing a solo podcast. Uh, you're starting that up, and I, we'll get into the whole uh, the whole scheme of it in uh, at the end of the show. I, I want to talk about a couple of the things first. But um, how does it feel to? to be doing like a solo podcast because I know you've done podcasts uh, as guests and as sort of like co-hosts in, in uh, all topics, movies and wrestling and stuff. And the, the K fabulous bros uh, with, uh, with big D, but doing your own one and kind of leading it and, and, and starting it out and, and doing it by yourself, which is pretty hard by the way. How, how, how does it feel doing that? Well, I did the first one. I mean, I'll break some, I'll break K fab here. I've already recorded the first one. And I, I was a little bit kind of worried because when you talk to yourself, I mean, there's so many things that go into it, right? First of all, it's a little bit, it's kind of unnatural in a lot of ways because you're so used to having that, that back and forth banter with your co-host and, you know, some sort of feedback as, you, as, you're, as you're engaged in dialogue, which you don't get uh, when you're doing a solo shot. So, um, but I started seeing it more as giving lectures right? mm-hmm. and that and that was that was kind of the mind frame that i put myself in and just kind of you know going out there and just talking to people and kind of giving them the history of wrestling uh in lecture form but not boring like like you know you're not going to be sitting in class kind of you know twirling your thumb trying to you know <laughs> waiting for the for the class to be over um because i also kind of try to make it fun with the kind of a little bit with the sense of humor of of, of klb which you know, I know that that a lot of the fans of that show are going to listen to this show. At least they're going to give it a shot because you know I'm I'm part of that, and I know they're they're probably going to try it. So so there's a lot of my personality kind of embedded into the show, and you know I'm the type of guy that that just kind of goes off goes off the rails sometimes, you know. And it's like, well, if that's what happens, that's what happens, you know. But but I think it makes it interesting, and and I think if people focus on on, on the history that I'm trying to kind of say, uh, it, it shouldn't be too bad. So I did I did the I guess for lack of a better term the pilot last night, and and it was good, man. I talked for about an hour, and it went by fast because you know I was just giving the the I covered like the the start of man. <laughs> and all the way up to like 1900. All right. And and, and I, yes. No, I was going to say that's a great teaser um and and I wanted to, I wanted people who are listening to this podcast to know that you know that that you're that that we're going to start putting that stuff out. But I want to ask you a few more pointed questions near the end of this. Um 
So we uh, we tease that. We'll get to a, a few more things at the end because I'm interested in sort of your process in how you're putting this thing together. But um, the one, the, the I think the thing that I've wanted to talk to you about uh, most uh, that's in this last week is uh, the death of Bruno San Martino, and I think it dovetails. Uh, nicely towards the type of podcast you're going to do because, you know, most of the people who are probably listening to this um, are were, were born, you know, 10 and 15 and 20 years past Bruno's peak in WWF, WWWF. And I think, you know, what's lost with Bruno and his era is really what he meant to the business because people hear the history and that, you know, they hear uh, big Dave Meltzer and, and him talk about it and see the things that he wrote, including the, the, um, the, uh, the obituary that he wrote for, for the observer, but I, it's still hard to comprehend. And even, you know, myself, the first time I saw Bruno was, uh, I think probably the first WrestleMania and to see a guy and go, huh, that's the guy that was the guy before the guy who was Hulk Hogan. Like it does it didn't really, you know, from what I knew wrestling in the early eighties that it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, but wrestling was so different. Um, and I just kind of want to talk about Bruno because I feel like you have a pretty good, uh, you have a pretty good sense of, of what he meant to the wrestling industry. Yeah, well, I mean, one thing we got to understand is that back in the day, um, wrestling was fragmented into just, you know, everybody knows this. It was, it was little territories spread spread around pretty much the world, but, you know, specifically the, the United States. And the reason why that was able to work was because, you know, you had you, you had local television and that was it. You didn't have cable television that was national yet. Um, you So you were able to kind of... Um, wherever your local UHF station took you, that was about as far as you were going to get. And once in a while, you know, in, in, in the territories that were close by, if, if you lived in a certain part of, you know, if you were up in a mountain somewhere, you could get like three territories and, and, and the promoters would freak out because there was like five people there that, that could see, you know, Terry Funk be a heel and a babyface at the same time and they would <laughs> fuck with them. But, um, but, but in general, everybody was kept apart. And like like here in California, um, I know that I know that if you lived in like a certain part of like Northern California, you could get both like Roy Shires wrestling and also like the LA wrestling, which which again, that, I think that's the one that had the issue with Terry Funk being a babyface and a heel. So so um, so everything was fragmented and everybody kind of had their little slot in their world, right? So um, one of the things that that helped that was. If you connected with that crowd, and that's the only crowd you had to connect with, you know, was 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 whatever local crowd you were performing in of, you were probably gonna get over. So Bruno San Martino, he 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 would happen to, you know, whether it was by happenstance or you know whatever, he connected with the people from New York City. I mean, I mean, and not only that, actually, I I just say he connected with the people from the Northeast, and the Northeast had a huge uh, Italian population. And, you know, I think Vince McMahon Sr. saw that because when, when, when Bruno first started wrestling, I believe it was in 1959 when he debuted, um, you know, he, he, he worked a couple garden carts, but, but, but Vince Sr. didn't keep him around. And so Bruno ended up going to Toronto, right? And he kind of made him a name for himself in Toronto, which also had a huge Italian population um, at that time. And, but I feel like Vince Sr., he, he 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 it was something like he was testing it out and, and he was like okay this guy has something but he's only been in the business for a year let, let, let him go get seasoned somewhere else and then i'm gonna bring him back 
So eventually he does bring him back. And, you know, from there we have the whole thing with Buddy Rogers. And, you know, he takes off. And Bruno, I mean, he was a, he was a champion. His first run was eight years, close to eight years. I mean, that, that's unheard of. That'll never happen again, ever. Um, and so I think I think people connected to him, you know, and he had this 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 quality about him, this very everyday man charisma that I think I, the closest I could I could relate it to now would be like like Daniel Bryan. Like we all we all could see ourselves through, through Daniel Bryan because of what he's kind of, you know, he, how successful he's become. So, you know, in psychology, we have something called reflective glory, where sometimes we tend to to live through 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 our heroes, you know, and their success becomes our success. And I think Bruno San Martino had that. I think he had that with the people of New York. He had that with people in Pittsburgh, Boston, Washington, D.C. or whatever. So so um, that was part of the initial success of Bruno, just connecting with the with the with the local people there, and they themselves kind of made him this 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 icon during that time. And so, I think. Uh you know what, what? What I found very interesting, and 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 we can even compare it to wrestling of today. You mentioned Daniel Bryan. Um, if you watch wrestling today, it's on the on the main scene. WWE, you know, maybe even some some other, you know, TNA, ROH, what have you. I feel like there is not a great babyface on any of the rosters. And when I say great, I'm talking about you know, guys that I saw growing up who, you know, could really turn an audience uh, crazy. Uh, and and it seemed just reading about Bruno, I mean, you know, I guess one could argue that he may have been the greatest babyface of all time. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, you're putting me on the spot. I mean, I can't think of anybody else. I mean, you know, uh, I guess... Yeah, I would agree with that. Nobody had that kind of run that he had. Um, and, and another thing that he had that got him a lot of press, and, and he was the first one to tell you this, was that he was in New York City. You know, he was in the mecca of of our, you know, like 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 all the media was kind of focused in that city. That, that's New York City. So, so people kind of, um, uh, he got more press than any other guy. Like, he got more press than even like a Jerry the King Lawler, you know, who you could argue later on i mean not not certainly not in the 60s but later on was kind of going through the same thing i mean jerry lawler didn't he he didn't really uh, capture the national media into the whole andy kaufman thing you know and and so um uh, bruno being in new york kind of gave him an advantage you know that, that he got all that press but i think also being the everyday man really helped and 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 it's like you know, you have a lot of young fans thinking, when is the next Steve Austin? When is the next Hulk Hogan? When is the next Bruno? You know, well, the thing about all these guys is that they're a product of their time. Mm-hmm. And a lot and a lot of and a lot, and a lot of these larger than life characters like a Steve Austin, like a Hogan, like a Bruno, um, they 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 only work in the time in which they were big because they are a reflection of our society, you know, and, and everything about like everything about Hogan was excess, right? He was big. He was, he was pompous. He, you know, he, he was bombastic. 
And and it, it was a reflection of the excesses of the 80s, and that's where we were at, you know, whereas Austin came during the Attitude Era where it, it was, everything was, like, anti-hero and, you know, anti-authority, and, and that was kind of the of the feeling of the country, you know, where everything from MTV or, like, like through the, some of the shows on HBO at the time. They were all very aggressive that way, you know, mm-hmm, and and, mm-hmm. and and same and then with same thing with Bruno, you know, Bruno, you know, he 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 was a working class hero, and 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 when when you're a working class hero and you're performing in front of a lot of you know lower middle class people that go pay to see you, you're gonna get over, especially when you have that humility, which is what he had because he was a carpenter. He was still be he was still part time carpenter. Um, you know, sometime before he got the title, I was, he was he was a wrestler and a carpenter at the same time. A little bit before he he ended up getting the world title. So so there was nothing fake about him, you know. And I think that's the key here is that he wasn't, as they used to say in my day, he wasn't fake flossing. You know, he was a guy that was like legit. And 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 one thing that you can't fake is genuineness and humility. And he he had it, you know. So like I said, now same thing with Daniel Bryan, you know. And I think one guy that has it now. And it's like Rusev. I think Rus. I think people relate to Rusev more than we give him credit for because he's like a foreigner, you know. But I think people gravitate towards that guy, and and because he has he 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 kind of brings a, a sense of humility himself. You know, you know, you, you could tell with Rusev that he respects the business. You could tell that he's a student of the game, but you also could tell that. There's a sense of like joy and, and gratitude for everything that he has, and he kind of expresses it through his body language, and so people gravitate that organically, and that's one of the things that these promoters nowadays just don't seem to understand. So I think Bruno had that. Uh, what do you What do you think about you know just the time that we are in wrestling today? I feel like uh, it, it's a very work rate heavy uh, business today, where you don't really get on the map unless you're having, you know, these really great, creative, uh, suspenseful, dramatic matches. And if you look at how, uh, you know, in Bruno's day, the the way that his matches were laid out was very sort of simplistic. Uh, and and you know, he wasn't doing, you know, any of this, any of these high spots, these crazy high spots. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people would find that to be pretty boring. Based on the wrestling today, how, how do you feel about you know the style uh, of his matches from back then? Well, I think one of the things now, and and the reason why wrestling evolved to the way it did was because we had we needed something to replace the emotion that was no longer there, right? I mean, and I think wrestling organically evolved into more of a high spot oriented performance art of uh, with two guys kind of giving a performance to the you know to the fans. Um, and I think that was good. I think I think we're in an era now. I think we're in a very interesting era right now. We're in an era that that's all about change. And and you know, um, I think the, the the way wrestling has kind of evolved or devolved. Who knows? Depending on your on your input on your opinion. But you know, definitely there needed to be something new because the emotional input it wasn't going to be there from the fans anymore. It just wasn't going to be there. It's gone. It's gone and it's never coming back. And that's and that's kind of tragic. Um, and to piggyback on that, during Bruno's era, it was all about emotion. It wasn't really about the work rate, although you had some good workers of the time, you know. Um, but 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 certainly the Northeast historically has never been about work rate, and that's why Vince McMahon Jr. could give two fucks about work rate because he wasn't exposed to it. Um, it's always been the land of the giants. It's always been the land of of, of the of the ethnic hero, um, and so. 
it, it's all about going in there and presenting some sort of heel, whether it be a foreign heel or just kind of like a like a devious heel that somehow is going to strip uh, the like um, they're, they're going to they're going to like really hurt. The, the, the local baby face and, and and that's what you that's that's kind of what you relied on you know if the heel was doing their job properly you you want Bruno to make that big comeback and and so when he did the crowd would explode um, but that's because there was emotion there there was a lot of emotion and that and again you can't duplicate that anymore but also the the, the idea back then was to come around the loop three times mm-hmm. you know so 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 you you start off small, you build up to the second match, and then finally you build up to the big blow off, and that was the routine that that a lot of territories had back in the day. Um, and so you know, the idea wasn't to blow your load in one match and give you a thousand four fifties and then <laughs> swan dives, and the idea was to gradually build that ball of heat. That's why it's called heat because you're building the heat to eventually blow it off. See, all this terminology kind of starts making sense when you start understanding the history of wrestling. Um, so, so you know, um, you, you might you might have, uh, the first match might have Bruno kind of get his, his ass whooped, but he kind of just barely ekes it out. Or maybe he loses because he's, he, they, what happens a lot of times is that he would gig and, and the referee would stop it because he had too much blood. You know, he was bleeding too much. Um, and again, it was a different time. It was a less cynical time. Nowadays, people will see Bruno as a pussy, right? Why is he giving up if he has too much blood? He's got to fight it out. Back then, in a less cynical society, you know, people felt empathy for Bruno, you know, because he was the working man's hero. So it's like if he's bleeding and this dastardly heel is kind of biting his forehead, you know, it's got to be stopped. And that's it. So what would happen is they would stop the match and the heel, the heel would get the W and, and and then you know Bruno would come out and say, well, let's do it in a cage or, or let's do it in a Texas Death Match because uh, you know. And of course, back then, like Dusty and those guys, you know, they're always, they always they would always say we because it's them and the people. You know, very smart of, of those guys back in the day. We we brother, we need you in a cage. Put us in a cage. We're gonna take care of you tomorrow night, brother. Put us in a cage right now. And so and so the the fans felt a connection to 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 these guys. And that's why it worked, man. And so, and so again, that's something that's gone. And, and you know, unfortunately, in 1982, uh, Vince Vince McMahon Jr. went to New Jersey State Athletic Commission and he said, "It's all a work. Don't charge us tax." You know, and and, and that's pretty much what what exposed the business. You know, one of the first times that the business got exposed. And then from there, you know, it just snowballed into the Russo era, which did a lot of damage as far as the credibility of wrestling and, and the emotional investment. And now it's pretty much gone. Um. One other thing, and and, I, and you had mentioned this to me prior, the idea of because it's a, it's a territory-based business and this guy has got to come back time and time and time again, he really was a hero to people who would see him um, in, you know, in, in those areas. Like uh, there, there was um, Dan Marino when he tweeted out, that uh, you know his respects to, to Bruno and Bruno's family. He showed a picture of where um, you know the ta- uh, the town of where they where they were all from. I think it's at South Oakland or something. And it was uh, yes. Dan Marino and I forget the other person. And then Bruno Sammartino's like with them. Like he as a professional. Well, wrestler, was it wasn't it, wasn't it, wasn't it Andy Warhol? Yeah, I think the, the, there you go. That was who the other person was. And so you know 
it's not like uh, you know. I, I don't. I don't know if if Roman Reigns is going to be on you know on any on any marquees like that. Being a, a... no, I do know it's not. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> let, 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 me, let, let me tell you this. Um, one of the advantages that you had when you were in a territory is that even outside of the ring, you could promote yourself because your world was so small that you could go to the, you You were going to be, once the matches were over, you were going to meet, that you were, You had to go get something to eat somewhere, right? You had to go sleep somewhere. So you were constantly around the community. And and one of the cool things that they showed about the at this Bruno San Martino documentary that WWE Network just put out um, was him kind of rubbing elbows with the local community, and 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 that'll always help you. Any young buck out there trying to get over with with any community, you got to go out there and kiss the babies, brother, because that's what's gonna get you over. So so they were gonna they would show Bruno kind of handshaking the taxi cab driver and the and the restaurant guy, and and so of course, I mean once you once you experience that. The word of mouth, I mean, is going to be phenomenal. I mean, that that's like free promotion because these people are going to take, they're 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 going to turn you into a god just by them sharing the story to the next person and then the next person to the next person, you know, and and it's amazing. So so um, that's one of the advantages that guys like Bruno had is that they they were on they were Northeast legends and they and they lived there, so they were constantly promoting themselves if they knew how to act properly amongst people, which Bruno did. So that only enhanced his legendary status, whereas like Hogan or Austin or even Roman Reigns, what are they going to do? One day they're in St. Louis, the next day they're in like Miami. It's like, well, they, they can't, they, they just can't establish that kind of intimacy with, with, the, with their fan base because it's impossible. So that, that's one of the advantages that, that people from Bruno's era had. Right. Um, no, it, it, was, uh, it was great to, to, you know, sort of reminisce about his career these, this last week. It's actually been exactly a week, I believe, since he passed away as of this recording. Um, and just uh, it, it just brings you back to a time where uh, I kind of just all of a sudden want to learn more about that era, those era, uh, the, you know, those years that where he was wrestling. You know, I, I feel like I need to do, you know, some research and go on YouTube and look at the stuff that he did with Zabisco and, you know, look at all the stuff that they, that they have on the network, including that documentary, because such a fascinating time period that, you know, we didn't really we didn't really get to get to see or get to, um, you know, enjoy because, you know, we're we were born about 15 years too late. Yeah, well, you can say that about a lot of eras in, in, in wrestling, but but I mean, he had such an interesting life because you know we haven't even talked about the the you know World War Two and 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 his mother in Italy, you know, with the Nazis coming to get him and and his mother kind of keeping the, him and 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 her family alive by constantly going down that hill and getting some food and coming back up when when you have Nazis all over the territory trying to capture Italians and you know other other non-supporters and and executing them so so um that's a to me that's always been a great story just in itself and i always felt like you know because because i you know i i doubt that film i mean that was my first love it's still my first love you know so i every time i, I hear stories like this i always automatically go into my filmmaker mode it's like how would i tell this story right right, right. and i always felt like it would be cool to make a movie about that that particular point in Bruno's life, but never promote it as Bruno's life. So I think it would. It, and this is all for the cheap pop. I know I understand that. Believe me. I, I mean, I know the the executives will be like, "What if no? You're putting Bruno. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna exploit Bruno for everything he's worth." 
But my whole thing was like the big reveal at the so you're watching like a regular war movie and then like a, the big reveal at the end was like, you know, this kid, you know, he lived on his name was Bruno San Martino, and that was supposed to be the big reveal, right? At the end. Oh shit. Yeah. And then you show him like he went on to be, you know, the WWF world champion and you know, headline the garden and and so that would have been a cool little reveal. Of course that they would never allow me to do that because you know, they would feel like they need Bruno to his name to kind of draw the people in, which they would have a point, I guess. But as a straight up war movie, I think this is a phenomenal story. It has everything you would ever want in a story. It has tragedy, drama. I'm sure there's a little bit of comedy in there, dark comedy. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, that in itself, just surviving that would have been an amazing story for Bruno had he stayed being a carpenter, right? He could have told his grandchildren about that. Yeah. But then coming to this country, and not speaking English and being bullied, you know, and uh, he had a Jewish friend of his just kind of recruit him and, and, and show him the ropes. So, I mean, that's like another movie in itself, right? You, and that's like a teenage, you know, a teenage angst kind of movie, right? You have this teenage kid who's an immigrant who, who kind of gets recruited by this friend of his and, and they're like two buds and they start hitting the gym and then, and then Bruno gets enormous, you know? So you could, you could make another movie just on that. And then you have that whole era of him trying to be a wrestler in the beginning and just, you know, finally getting his break in New York City, brother. I mean, imagine this Italian immigrant coming to New York City, uh, you know, the, the big lights and the pretty women and just making it big there, you know. And, and it, 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 he just had a great life. And then you had the two tire runs. You had the, 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 the classic match with Ivan Koloff where, where you know, he lost and, and everybody was crying at the Garden, you know, because that was their hero who had been champion for eight years. Um, you know, finally losing the title to this big Russian who wasn't really a Russian, by the way, which kind of broke my heart when I found that <laughs> out. Um, and, and, you know, Ivan Kolov. Um, did I ever tell you when I met Nikita and I was already a grown-ass man, bro, and he broke my heart? No, I don't. You, where did you meet him at? In Miami, at WrestleMania in Miami. Um, I, I took a picture with him, and he's like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? And he wasn't speaking Russian, bro. <laughs> and you got to understand, like, that, like... I don't know. Listen, at this point, I'm 30, 31, and I, I don't even know. This is like like when 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 we go back to um to being a little kid, you know, and it's like, why the fuck would that fuck with me? But it did. Like, I remember listening to him. It's like, he's not Russian. And it just fucking <laughs> like it just stood with me, you know. And, 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 and I mean, you you obviously knew that he wasn't. But just seeing him. You just, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I knew, like I knew this shit, bro. It's Scott Simpson. This fucking Scott Simpson, bro. Exactly. And so, and so, I'll, but but just hearing him talk, I was like, what the fuck? Because you, you, I got embedded with everything about him being the Russian nightmare when I was a little kid. And you know, those are the memories that stay with you as you, even when you grow up and you know become an adult. So when he said, I was like, oh fuck. So, anyways, going back, so so Ivan Colum defeats Bruno, and everything's silent, right? But um, but you know, it, it was just the people were so. Uh, sad and, and just shocked and, and and I will say this brother I will say that I was very fortunate to be in a situation like that when the Undertaker got pinned by Brock at WrestleMania 30 30 so um, I, I could I could I could understand how the Garden was completely quiet because that's exactly what happened. Um, I mean, it wasn't as sustainable because there was more people in New Orleans, so so I'm sure somebody made a noise. But yeah, you could you you, you for for about a couple seconds, bro, you could hear a pin drop in that fucking uh, Superdome or Metrodome or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> and, and so uh, so yeah, man. So I could totally relate because I was there for a moment like that. So I could I could totally understand how people were in shock. Um, 
So 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 then he had the a couple classic feuds that he had with he had he had the one with Stan Hansen and he had the one with one of the last ones of his career, possibly even the last one, was with uh, Larry Zabisco. Um and, and you know, so so both of those feuds were kind of like his popular feuds. Um but just yeah, just he 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 was uh he was an institution in New York for a long time, man. Um I find it uh you know, this this is Predictable. This is what they probably should do in these situations. But, you know, WWE has historically uh, not been on the same page as Bruno when it came to telling their history and him just not wanting anything to do with them. But, you know, luckily for for everyone involved, you know, he did get back in semi-decent graces with them. um, and, And you heard a lot of, you know, Bruno's the greatest superstar of all time. And that stuff was... Uh, you know, back in in, in the eighties, and, and wait, wait, wait a minute, but you're talking semi. You you you're, you're you know you're kind of being vague here because you have information that none of us have here. No, this, it's this just, I like, mean, it's just you know he they they were okay with with their relationship these last few years, but it was really bad over you know previous you know post when he he retired for the last time it was it was not a good relationship so, so, so you're saying that bruno still knew that vince was full of shit is what you're trying to say but he kind of uh, he kind of justified it in other ways right well i guess i just found it interesting to see vince mcmahon's tweet saying how you know bruno's one of the greatest men he ever met and they like hated each other like i mean i think that's pretty well known right yeah, but I mean that doesn't necessarily mean he didn't think he was the greatest. It just means that he just didn't get along with one of the greatest men he ever met. That's really all it means, you know. I mean, you could have admiration for somebody and not get along with them, you know, because of especially when you're a promoter, because you know money comes first above anything else. But that doesn't, you know, he. When I saw the documentary with Vince, I, I, I truly believed everything he said only because, you know, like when he said that 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 Bruno should have been. The, his Hall of Fame was incredible without Bruno. I believed them, and the only reason why he couldn't put him in earlier was because they hated each other. Yeah. But that doesn't mean he didn't feel. That doesn't mean he didn't feel like 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 the Hall of Fame lacked credibility without Bruno. You know, it just means that he that he just couldn't stand them as a as a guy, and they, I'm sure the, the 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 feeling was mutual. So. I mean, honestly, the, the reality is, and, and you know, we all like to romanticize all these things, right? But I think the reality is that you can't, you can't eliminate, you know, thirty years of bitterness in like a meeting. You know, it's impossible, and nobody could. You, you can't even eliminate a year of, of, of you know, bad feelings in, in one meeting. Yeah. So I'm sure, I'm sure there was some leftover resentment on both sides. You know, it's just the way it's gonna be. But, 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 you know, it was still cool that. You know, they were able to squash their beef enough to do business and, and enough for Bruno to get the recognition he deserved with the newer fans. You know, because I'll tell you what, that, that tribute they gave him on Raw, like a lot of those fans don't even know who the fuck he was or even, you know, and, and, and had he not squashed that beef, he probably wouldn't even have gotten a graphic. So it was good that he did that just for his for his own legacy, you yeah. know, kind of like what Brett did. Yeah. So, so, um, it's cool to think about it in that sense, and and if that's how Bruno justified it, I don't blame him because that's your legacy, man. When you're gone, that's all that's going to be left, and 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 if that's taken care of, then you, then you, then you made a business decision, and I'm sure that's what he did, you know. And even when Vince was still full of shit in front of him, that's probably how he justified it because Bruno was a very proud man. Yeah. So yeah. um. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. Um. You 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 mentioned promoters and the bottom line and the dollar being most important. And I think that's a pretty good 
segue to the next topic that I wanted to ask you about, which is well, well, to 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 close off on Bruno, one thing that I, I do find really really sad and, and is that he never made up with his son David. Yep. yep. Who you who you confuse as Meltzer. <laughs> <laughs> On the uh, on the KLB Facebook page, it was related. Uh, it was relating to a previous question, so I thought he was still talking about the same thing. But no, he was talking so, about something so, else. No, no, but I mean that's the kind of stuff, you know. I mean, a little disclosure on my end here from from my own outlook on life. Like, I, 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 I and I'm young. I'm very lucky that I, I was very young when when I came to this realization because you'll be surprised how many people don't understand this. Like, I try. Uh, when you talk to when people talk to older people, like people in their 80s or their 90s, they say one of their biggest regrets is when they like like leaving these kind of beefs out there in the open, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and so and so I kind of learned from that. And it's like with me, I always if there's some misunderstanding with somebody that's that that's kind of close to me or special to me, even it, whether it's my fault or not, I'm always the first one to kind of extend the hand and say, look, let's talk about this. And if that doesn't work, then that's fine because at least I try and I can move on with my life. And, and it's happened, you know. But I think one of the biggest burdens a person could carry is unresolved issues that could have been resolved with a conversation. Misunderstandings are the worst fucking curse a person could carry, especially when one of those people is no longer around. And to hear David uh, San Martino and, and Bruno never made up, that's horrible because that's father and son. And, and, and that to me is like the worst news that came out of this. Um, and that's something that David's gonna have to live with for the rest of his life, and, that, and that's gonna be his his guilt to carry. So I mean, whether how he justifies it, who knows? But I, I just wanted to bring that up, that because I know there was a lot of older fans that were curious, and they never did make up. Yeah, that that is a sad thing, and um, you know he's got a couple of other sons who uh, it seemed like you know that those relationships are really strong, but. Yeah, you kind of wonder why stuff like that happens, and I'm sure each each man has their own reasons, and and you know probably even justifiable reasons. But uh, yeah, that that is a sad thing that came out of that story. Bro, I will say that I popped when Bruno did that gimmick. You know, when you have like a bunch of kids and you name them with the same uh, letter, it starts <laughs> with the same letter. So he had David, Daryl, and da- and Danny, right? Yeah, David, Daryl, and Danny. I believe they were the names, and that's just wacky because a lot of a lot of dudes like to do that, and I always pop when that happens. <laughs> it's it's I, a, I understand. I, from, from, I think it's a Kardashian the, thing too. Really, I don't watch that shit, bro. But if it is, okay, that's cool. No, no. But I think the the Angle family almost like that. I believe. Oh, uh, come on, Kim, Kylie, Chloe, Courtney. Uh, there's one more that I can't think of. It, it's a gimmick, bro, and, and you know that I always pop for that gimmick because <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it, it says a lot about the parents when they do that. Not not, not that it's bad or anything, and, and I, I think I would have the personality that would consider something like that. But it's just wacky to me that you have the, that all your kids have the same first letter of the name of the alphabet and shit. <laughs> so but, um, uh, so uh, so. Moving to the to to what I was gonna uh, talk about was the greatest Royal Rumble show coming this Friday on the WWE Network at a weird time. Like if you're on the West Coast, like you're getting up at you know you're probably already awake because it's a work day, but it's nine a.m. in the morning. This show starts, uh, and it's supposedly a five-hour show. Uh, you know, you're like most people where you got to work. How, how, how do you plan on watching this show? Do you, are you going to try to get some in by, you know, 
waking up a little earlier or trying to delay no, some of the things I, I, in your day? I'm too much of a fat. I'm too much of a mark, bro. I have to watch the whole thing in one sitting. And I kind of, uh, I'm, I'm really trying to kind of force my brain to see it as a big deal just so I could get excited on that day. But it's just not happening. And that's too bad because I'm a huge mark. As anybody that knows me knows that I'm a huge mark for WWE Royal Rumbles. Yep. And and this, this one just ain't doing it for me. And I think, you know, um, there's the old expression, Rio recognizes Rio. And I think when, when, when their promotion is, is kind of fake, it's kind of come off as that, you know. And this, this show is so, like, fake. It's so, it's so like, just money-hungry, greedy kind of promotion. And, and there's no heart behind it. You know, there really isn't. And, and, and so that, that's kind of been transparent as this promotion has gone on. And really, they got a big payday from from the Saudis, and they're just gonna go put on a show for them. And they just they're just laughing that they're running cameras. That's it. So so it, it's just like a big old like you know, masturbatory kind of uh, exercise with the Saudis and the McMahons. And it is kind of sickening when you start thinking about it. Yeah. So you know, we don't have to talk about this uh, the whole time, but there is this piece of it, uh, you know, which is the the political side of it. Um, what are your thoughts on just the way that WWE has to um, politically make excuses for the fact that, you know, no women can, can wrestle on this show and how they're kind of segregating the arena so that it makes it look like there's this family environment going on on, you know, it's just, kind of, it's just I, don't, so weird. I, I don't like it, bro. I don't like it. It really bothers me. And, and, and I think, again, it's just it just. Um, it's surprising to me that in the world we live in now that they didn't get more heat for this. And and I don't know. I don't know if it's because wrestling is so low brow that nobody cares. But that's that's weird because everybody cared about the fabulous Mula, you know, and 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 her battle royal being named after her. But for this, it's like nobody has said a peep. And, and you know, I'm sure some people have. In general, nobody has said a peep. And, and this is a bigger deal. But yet, you know, people are going along with it. Now, I will say this that. You know, whether it's subconsciously or, or people just don't care, nobody's also excited for this show. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I, th- I think I think as a society, we have this like collective sense of guilt for this show. And, and, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it. And, and this is all subconscious. But, you know, I, I, I honestly feel that there is a sense of guilt with this show and, and kind of expressing your excitement for it, you know, and, and, and it, it does come off as weird. Um, particularly, particularly the women, you know, because they 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 they're kind of going back even further than the fabulous Mula's era, you know. I mean, they're they're going back, and, and with this, just by them not being able to be on the card, you're taking the business back almost a hundred years, you know. And it's like you 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 work so hard to promote the women, you work so hard to kind of establish this equality with the men, and here here it is a big stadium show. You know, in a foreign country, which is kind of a big deal, and they can't even perform. And well, we shouldn't say this because we don't know. But as far as the information we got, they didn't even fight for them. They didn't even try to kind of say, okay, well, let's compromise. You know, right. let's let's throw all the women, let's throw all the women in a ten-man tag. They'll be out there for five minutes, and then we'll, they will be all covered. That's fine. You know, because you also gotta respect. 
we also got to respect culture too. You can't, you can't, you can't, you also can't be ignorant of the culture as much as, you know, we want to be activists and we want to be, you know, pro women and all that. There's there, the world, our, our world is, is, is defined by many different diverse cultures. And just as much as we want our culture to be respected, we also got to respect other cultures. That's just the way it is. And, and cultures and culture itself is a very strong bond. That's the most impossible to break no matter where you live. So there's a, there, there, I don't think you're not going to go out there and have, you know, uh, Alexa Bliss showing her ass cheeks and her newly uh, bought boobs, you know, <laughs> in, in front of the Saudis. But you but you could have had a compromise I, in situations like this. I'm looking for a compromise. I'm not mm-hmm. looking for one way or the for, from either party to get their way and then even have a compromise. And, and, and I'm thinking, man, you just you just you just put everything back a hundred years and that's unfortunate because I, I i imagine these girls kind of feel like shit too you know i mean absolutely you're kind of hurt you're kind of hurting them by default i mean what does that say about them the confidence in the company um now i did have a solution and i'm I, so what i would have done if i was vince is that i would have booked the first ever all women house show whether it be here in America or somewhere else, whatever. Maybe go to Japan and work with Stardom since they get over all, all, all female cards get over over there. And I would I would have masked the whole situation with well, since they're gonna have their first ever all women's show over in Japan, they can't go to Saudi Arabia to wrestle. You know, so I I, I mean I know people would have seen right through the veil, right? Yeah. But at the very least, at the very least, the women were kept busy. And they also would have had their moment, you know. So I, w- I would have. This would have been the perfect time to kind of promote like an all women's card, or maybe just make it a house show in like Rhode Island or something, and just film it. And you don't even have to show it in now because it would it would gotten in the way of the promotion for the Saudi Arabia show. But you could you could have it in the can for like a month from now for a network special, you know. But it could have been filmed this weekend when they're gonna have the Saudi Arabia show, and it just it just it, it doesn't come off as scummy. As just them not just like not being booked, bro, which is pretty fucked up. Yeah, and, and so um, that's what I would have done. I would I would have had like an all women's um, you know card and kind of promote the female empowerment that way. So Triple H pretty much said what you did, which is the the culture is different. And I think from if I'm reading this correctly, their goal because they do have a ten year agreement with uh, Saudi Arabia is that what they hope is that in the next few years that they can bring uh, women uh, uh, onto the shows and have them wrestle. You know, also, you know, one thing I just did, I didn't realize until now is uh, Renee Young can't even be a part of the broadcast team. It's Byron Saxton who's going to be doing the uh, the pre-show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, women are just not allowed to have that kind of active participation in that country, I guess. So and, and and then let's talk a little bit. So so we talked a little bit about that. Now let's talk about the situation with the community there. I mean, you had these poor single, let's just say, uh, you know, very lonely guys. <laughs> say anything like 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 their American counterparts, <laughs> like um, the, like the guy who uh, Bailey did not hug on Raw. Yeah. <laughs> so so you, these poor guys, brother. I mean, you you know they don't have much going on outside of their wrestling. So they're trying to buy tickets, and and the government is like, nope, you gotta have a girlfriend or a wife or some kids with you. <laughs> yeah. But you ain't coming. And if you are, and if you are gonna come by yourself, you know, you're gonna sit way up there in the euchre section, you know. Yeah. So, um, so that was kind of fucked up right there. And then of course you have all these, uh, you know, the the, the the people that do have families 
they're going to be front and center because, again, it's, it's more of a propaganda yeah. show by the government than anything else. And, and that's what I was trying to get. The point I'm trying to get across is that a lot, a lot of the marks are like, well, the card, they're, they're analyzing this card. And you got to understand that the, the, this this show is it's, it's just there as a propaganda tool. So you can't get too hard on the card, whether it makes sense or doesn't make sense. I think WWE, they got a good payday out of it in the millions, I imagine. And they just want to give Saudi Arabia like a like the best of the WWF product because if you notice they have all the gimmicks they have the ladder matches the cage matches the, the casket matches they have uh, other stars are booked Lesnar you know uh, Undertaker um, and, and so I think they just want to give them a hodgepodge of just a little bit of everything you know for the next go around they have a more established card you know that's that's what I think the the, the purpose of this card was. So let's let's actually talk about it a little bit. You being the Royal Rumble aficionado that you are, so much so that you can, uh, you you know all the entrances and the eliminations from the uh, from the nineteen ninety two Royal Rumble by heart. Show of all time. So let's be fair here. But uh, fifty guys, uh, we we've seen. 30 men, 20 men, and also a 40 man Royal Rumble that happened several years ago. Uh, I, I can't, like, 50 man Royal Rumble, I, I just see it as, um, I have a feeling there's gonna be lots of dead time in this match because, uh, if you remember that 40 man Royal Rumble, there was lots of gimmicks just to try, try to make it entertaining when you're having guys who you never see wrestle on TV because you needed to, to, to get enough people in that match. Well, you're going to have to section it off. So, so you're going to have to spread it out and try to have run a couple storylines to kind of carry the bulk of the show. If you remember that 40 man had CM Punk in the beginning, throwing out all these jabronis. And then when the Nexus came, which he was running at the time, um, they they went they went through about four numbers where it was jabroni after jabroni, and what you're doing is you're building up the, the obviously the whole idea here was that CM Punk and his cronies were getting like this big head because they thought they were gonna win the whole thing, and then of course it builds to like the like uh, John Cena's music hitting and the crowd explodes, and then John Cena comes in and he cleans house right, so that was like. You established that, so that was kind of like you're watching that first portion, and then we go into this weird John Cena. Remember this weird John Cena and Hornswoggle segment where they're like teaming and they're throwing everybody out, and then that becomes their segment. Yeah. So, so, so that's so, so you that that's when you're booking these kind of Royal Rumbles with, with a lot of people like that and with a lot of jobbers, you 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 got to kind of section it off in pieces, and you got to tell little stories here and there to carry the Royal Rumble. Because, like you said, if it's just guys coming out at minute, minute and a half intervals, it's it, it going to get boring. Yeah. So you're going to have to, um, you know, like I remember the 2002 Royal Rumble. So the 2002 Royal Rumble, it had The Undertaker. That was very brilliant, bro, because trip out on this one. So it had The Undertaker segment very early on. Remember he got eliminated by Maven? You remember that spot? Yes. Yep. And, and, so, and so Undertaker came in at like a number 11. And then Maven threw him out. And then you had the Triple H segment, which was the middle of the of the of the uh, Rumble, where he was kind of like the, the 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 centerpiece. And then you had Steve Austin coming out. And then Steve Austin and Triple H had their exchange because they cleared out the ring. And then I think the last section was carried by Kurt Angle because Kurt Angle came out later. So you had four guys, and they and they built the entire Royal Rumble around those four guys. And it, it worked because you're, you're, you're constantly having guys come and go and bounce off of those four guys, yeah. and, and you make it work. This rumble here, 
I mean, I, I don't even know who's in it. I mean, I mean, the Shano's in it. They got everybody in it, right? I mean, and they've but, only but announced twenty six guys. 20, only twenty six, bro. Yeah, that's like the that's like one Royal Rumble for a regular show. <laughs> but that but, just but, means but, they had twenty four left that we don't know. Uh, did you know the Great Khali was in this match? I I mean no I didn't bro. Uh, so they got Great Khali, they got Ron Mysterio as a guest. Well, do they have any other guests? Uh, Jericho. Jericho, who, who told New Japan to go fuck off in, in, <laughs> in lamest terms. Um, so, so okay, so and then Jericho looked like a jackass because they let's talk about this real quick, bro. So they they start promoting Rusev and and the Undertaker, right? Yep. And then Vince changes his mind. And he puts Jericho in there. So Jericho gets all excited, bro. He starts going on Twitter. You know, Jericho being Jericho, he's going on Twitter and cutting promos on The Undertaker. You know, he's trying to build something, right? Yeah, because he's, he never, he's never had a feud with The Undertaker, really. So that that's, he's always talking about that was the one feud that he wanted to do that he never got to do. But, he, but even then, Jericho being Jericho, he just likes to build shit around now. Like, he likes to add angles now. That's his thing. Yeah. So then he, he gets hit with the news that Vince changed his mind again, and Rusev's back in the match. So so Jericho's going around doing the media rounds, and he was like, you know what? I don't care if they put me in with Funaki. You know, what was it? What did you say? <laughs> in a, in a, in a, something about wearing a dress. He's like, at this point, I just go with the punches, and whatever they tell me to do, I'm going to do. Which is, you know, he sounded very defeated, which I, I could imagine he was. He just yeah. had to he, he had to kind of politically just not, not get too aggressive with him. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that was something wacky that came out of this show, but I don't know, man. Then I see, then I see like John Cena versus Triple H, bro. Like, are are the Saudi Arabians still watching 1998 Monday Night Raw, bro? Is that is that part of the television? Like, <laughs> yeah, I was, or, I was, I, was, I, was I know, I was wondering if it, if TV was like ten years like uh, ago. It, because I don't know how people know this in some countries. The television is maybe like a couple months behind. That's just the way it is. I, mean, I don't know if it's still like that. That was that was the case about five to ten years ago. Um, but this is just wacky. Because why are we having Triple H versus John Cena in 2018? Uh, maybe just for them to just go through their high spots and go home. Maybe it'll be like a seven-minute match. I hope so. Because that's not a match I'm looking forward to at all. Well, uh, do we even know if there's any... Like, what's the stipulation in the Rumble? Like, do they get anything out of this? I mean, they have a big old trofeo, bro, like in Mexico. They just have a big old trophy. <laughs> I mean, because um, the, the reason why the original Rumble worked is because they added the stip that you would get the title match at WrestleMania. And that's and that made it an even more important match than in the early days when it was John Studd and Hogan and Hacksaw winning. Yeah, but if Gino Monsoon was still there, he would just say that they're going to get the bigger the bigger check tonight, yeah, bro. Yeah. That's all you really need when you think about it. That's true. That's um, true and bragging rights so i don't know i think they would have announced it at the go home show they didn't announce anything so maybe i don't know maybe you get to ha- to shake the hand of the of the prince or whatever whoever's over there i don't know i guess all right let's quickly go through some of the matches i guess that have intrigue uh a couple of wrestlemania um, uh rematches, rematches. lesnar and reigns in the cage not exactly sure why this is a cage match other than that it just may be to be different but uh Reigns has come off very weak since uh, since the TVs uh, since WrestleMania. I don't know what is going on with this match because if he does win, um, it sort of uh, hurts him, and if he loses, it hurts him maybe a little bit more. Like there's this is a no win situation for Roman Reigns. 
At this point, I would call an audible and I would go with Strowman. I would start building everything about Strowman. He's the guy right now. He's the guy that organically connected with the fans. Um, he has main event level heat. That's the guy you go with. And I, I could see Vince. See, the thing is that you got you to gotta understand Vince, right? And we've talked about this before. That's why, that's why me and Big D always make fun of the guys that get injured, you know, and, and we kind of present. I'm breaking kayfabe here. We kind of presented as these guys ain't real men, you know, they get hurt. But that's not that, that we're talking. That's how Vince sees it, and that's what people don't understand. And we're just kind of making fun of it. But I understand that Vince probably sees Braun Strowman as this big, dumb, galoot, hillbilly-looking guy. I understand that. And, <laughs> and, and, and really, when you look at... See, because Vince is thinking bigger picture. Vince is thinking, you know, uh, magazine covers, movies. You know, I feel that it's safe to say that Braun Strowman is very limited, you know? Yeah. And I feel that it's safe... I feel that it's safe to say that Ron Stoneman could be a, a fad. I mean, I, I could totally see that, why, why, why Vince would think that, because I think that. And and so I, I understand his reservation, but who else do you have? And at this point, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say it like this. Roman Reigns is damaged goods. You're not going to get anything out of them. You know, you might get a good little heel run out of them. And then maybe if you're lucky, that'll be good enough to turn them legit. And then people will accept them. Maybe. But at this point, there's contempt between the fans and the booking of Roman Reigns. And when you have contempt like that, you're constantly going to get derailed because the people are just going to refuse to fucking cheer this guy on general principle. And, that, and that's where they're at right now. So to me, if they're going to go with Roman Reigns, I don't care when the title change comes because no matter where it comes, it's going to be anticlimactic if yep. it didn't happen at WrestleMania. So it doesn't matter if it's in the cage at Saudi Arabia or like, uh, you know, in a Texas death match in Dallas. It doesn't matter anymore because um, it's all going to come out as bullshit anyway, you know, Bra- and so might as well just go with it on Friday. Bra- Braun's got to win the Rumble, though, right? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely, and 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 if the you know he should have gotten a title shot. I mean, they could do something wacky, bro. They could have Braun. They could do like the WrestleMania nine finish where Braun challenges Lesnar and then Lesnar accepts and gets beat. You know, they mm-hmm. could do stuff like that. That's the thing. That's the thing about predicting all this shit. We don't know what kind of tricks they got up their sleeve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other the other rematch is AJ and Nakamura. Uh, not. Uh, they didn't. I, I, I guess most people thought that the match at WrestleMania was disappointing, but I think it was probably about the level of match uh, some of us thought it would be. Uh, but they have a chance to do, to do it again, though. I wonder if uh, if they will get the time to have a classic match, or even if they care to have a classic match. Because, like you said, this show is more. It's it's not really. Uh, something that that where they're going to put their best foot forward necessarily because of the reasoning even to to have the show. So uh, I kind of feel like this is going to be another slightly disappointing match. Well, no, I don't think it's going to be disappointing only because our expectations ain't so high. So it's, it, it might not be as good, but it, I don't think it's going to be disappointing. Um, now I'm going to sound ignorant here, and I apologize for that. But because in some countries, um, you know, we don't know how how um educated the fans are you know mm-hmm. and, and 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 in this situation i don't know how educated the the saudi arabia fans are to the business and the, and this is the kind of match that's tailor made for the smart mark so i don't really know how much of that you're going to see there especially right. for those virgins that couldn't get in bro they're, they're way <laughs> the fuck up those are the ones that you need for this match exactly. those are the guys that would know the, but, if, so, uh, if if nakamura wins he's got a point to like the upper deck <laughs> Yeah, 
So, so the funny thing, so like, because I mean, you hear stories about how, like, in China, I think, it, I think it's China, right, where they're where they're literally teaching about wrestling from scratch. Like, they don't even know about getting heat. They don't they don't know the theatrics of wrestling, which is kind of scary when you think about it. I think it's China or India, one of those two. But um, so I don't know what the education level is of the of the average fan in Saudi Arabia. So that's going to have a lot to do with not only particularly this match, but also the entire night as far yeah. as heat. Because what we don't want is four hours of like silence, bro. I, I don't know if I'll be able to get through that. We need some sort of interaction with the crowd, you know, and, and I hope we get that. Because if you're going to have 60,000 fans there with the right atmosphere, this match could be pretty good. I'm talking about AJ and Nakamura. So, and then now AJ, I mean, Nakamura is now it's a heel versus babyface match. So the psychology is going to be different, which yeah. is a good thing. Um, now, now Nakamura could be lazy Mura because that's what heels are. They don't have to get all flashy anymore. So maybe that's the, that's the reason why they gave him that role. Who knows? So, um, I can't say I'm excited for this match, but I, I also can't say that I have, I, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm indifferent either way. So basically you're saying that when, when Matt Hardy starts pointing and, and doing the delete thing that the, the crowd may not be participating in this chant with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, but according to the reports, even in America, that was kind of starting to happen anyway. Bro, so he's already kind of getting used to that. No, no, but yeah, you're right. That, that, that's going to be embarrassing. But but the boys, the boys got to, you know, they got to know this shit, bro. Yeah. You don't go out there and you mechanically just do your shit. You know, back in the old days, you, you, these guys adapted to their environment. You don't you don't go there and start doing your delete when when nobody has seen it, bro. That's very stupid. And whatever reaction you get, you're gonna deserve. Yeah, yeah. Um, just quickly, just to go over the card, we don't have to talk through all these matches because I know you have a, a, a an exit time here, and I want to quickly talk about the podcast a little bit more to wrap this up. Yeah, we, we got we got time still. I I could stretch it out a little more. So uh, Rollins, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and The Miz. I'm actually looking forward to that match, I think, the most on this entire card. You mentioned already it's a ladder match for the IC strap. But uh, I like the I like Rollins and Balor together. And, you know, you got Samoa Joe back in the mix. And, you know, The Miz trying to win that Intercontinental Championship again and maybe take it over to SmackDown. I feel like this is uh, the possibility for the show stealer. You know, I always criticize the the great Dave Meltzer for this, and I'm about to do it right now, so I guess I'm the hypocrite. But um, seeing the ladder match we saw at NXT TakeOver, bro, I don't know. It's still fresh in my mind for me to get excited about any other ladder match right now. Because no, I'm I mean, that, that, that's a great point. I you, Definitely a great uh, point. And, that and you know what? I awesome. hate when people do this, and I'm doing it, but, I, but it's not fair. It's not fair to the four guys in this match. But um, because it's not their fault, but but it's just the way it is, I guess, in our brain. And 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 that was the first thought that came into my head when I saw this match announced. I'm like, dude, we just saw like a, you know, arguably the greatest ladder ladder match of all time. And now you got these four guys who are in their late thirties, <laughs> ex- expecting them to go out there and, and have a you know a good ladder match or a great ladder match. I mean, you gotta be fucking shitting me. But they're gonna be there, and and I think like you said, Finn and, and Seth, they're, they're 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 big show performers. So I think if anything else, they're gonna give us a good little. That might be the first match. That's where I would put it. Yeah. Um. So uh, Jeff Hardy and Jinder not looking forward to this match at all. Though, not looking for it at all, bro. Though, the, uh, what do you think the heat's gonna be like? Why? Is there is there going to be heat? Like, j- <laughs> j- well, because Jinder plays a very stereotypical character, right? Does this audience 
care about that character at all. Like, because he, he gets and Jim, Hardy, and Jim Hardy could come off as a homosexual sometimes, <laughs> and, and, and we know they hate them over there. We know that for a fact. So, so you might be right. We might be getting some good heat here. <laughs> I, I just wonder, like, how like does the crowd react at all to either? either guy like are they just going like what the hell what the hell's going on like i don't get it but um i, th- I think that's i think i think that could be you know one of those silent times um and then we got bray uh bray white and matt hardy against uh, cesaro and, and sheamus did you see what bray hardy uh bray hardy did you see what bray white tweeted uh, about Meltzer? no what are they yeah they call they, i know they call them an oracle once which popped me so I, I I don't remember the exact Bray Wyatt uh, terminology. He did it in 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 very much uh, woken Matt Hardy speech. But basically, there was a line in the Observer a couple weeks ago, where Dave said that they were already talking about bringing up Sanity and having Bray Wyatt uh, go with Sanity, which would mean that you know the the thing with Matt Hardy wouldn't last very long. And then Bray Bray said something about that you know Dave Dave. Uh, Dave, Dave Dave doesn't believe in Bray's loyalty or something like that, but he tweeted it was it was very funny tongue in cheek kind of thing, but uh, I I like that uh, you know Bray Bray is embracing this character a lot. So Bray has been communicated with the two Ds, uh, Danny and David. <laughs> exactly, <good>. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, let's see here. You know what? Not as you're going through the car, I could give two fucks about this show, bro. I'll be honest with you. It's not. It's not fantastic, that's for sure. And, and another thing too is that for some reason, I thought this cat, this match. I mean, this card had a lot of matches that were gonna get time, but all these matches you're saying five minutes tops, bro. Yeah. I mean, Bludgeon Brothers against the Usos. We saw what they've been doing with that program, which is basically glorified squash matches. Um, and I think it's gonna continue here. I think I think they're setting them up. Uh, let's see who who's getting over over there on SmackDown. The only ones that are new contenders would be the club, you know, Dallas well, and well, Anderson. Cesaro and Sheamus are on SmackDown now too, right? Oh, there you go. Yeah, that could be a fun little program. Uh, and then you have Cedric Alexander against Kalisto for the for the cruiserweight championship. Uh, I, I I wouldn't even turn on two two or five live to watch that match really. Uh, I, I mean, those guys get no love, bro. We talked about it in the past, but that could be a fun match. It could be, yeah, it'd definitely be fun, but it's kind of going to get lost in the shuffle of, of all the other stuff going on. You talk. You know what? I would, I, I would throw that one on first because then you, you you get the gimmick where they see the they get that that, that fake pop. The this is the first stars we're watching pop, and it kind of makes people believe they're over. So that would be the first match I would book. I would put out there. Uh, Cena and Triple H. You already mentioned, eh, like. I don't know the the John Cena it, character. I, I just feel like, I just feel like they're gonna be going in slow motion, bro. It's gonna be like we reverted back fifty years, except they're not young like they were fifteen years ago, and everything is gonna be just in slow motion. That that's my prediction for that match. Chinlock spot. The, you know they don't they don't really do that. Triple H doesn't really do a chinlock chinlock spot or uh, rest hold spot. I guess I should have said. Um, hey, man, bro. That's his wrestle. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the the only other match is, is The Undertaker and Rusev, which uh, I can't imagine is going to be very good or very long. Like, what what can you do with uh, Undertaker can't, who could only do uh, a three-minute match with John Cena on WrestleMania? Like, what does he do in this match? 
Rusev comes out, he gets over, gets chokeslammed, tombstone, and rolls into the casket, and that's it. Done. Absolutely done. Even, the Undertaker's book, just so you get the Saudis, they're the big entrance, and, and they could go, ah, and that's pretty much it. And, and, and Lano, uh, in, in Twitter storytelling mode, was such a big part of this match, and she's not even allowed to be anywhere near the show. I wonder what would happen if Vince was like, "Fuck it, just go out there in your miniskirt." Like, well, like would he, you know what? I, no, I think I think there's that. That's like a criminal act. I think they would actually get taken to jail for that. So, so they really can't do that. Um, I know you're not reading now Jericho's fourth biography, uh, but the latest book that that he wrote, he talks about uh, being in, I believe it was Saudi Arabia, because he had said that in the hotel the security guards were basically telling them that they could not leave the hotel because there was a lot of fans who were in the crowd uh, outside of the hotel who were female and they didn't want the female crowd to get excited about the wrestlers. So they said, you know, to the wrestlers, stay in the hotel, don't go outside. And Jericho said, or he wrote, he basically said F it. And he went out there and was like slapping five and hugging the female fans. And the, the, the security guards who he mentioned were heavily roided up were uh, <laughs> were very like they were very angry with him for going out there and like defying them like that was just in his most recent book and i thought that was kind of interesting because now they're going back yeah well it's like you know i do a lot of traveling around the world and it's like we have to always be respectful of that culture bro because you don't want to get we can't we can't be you know i guess you know, uh, conceited. I guess, that's not even the right word. But we can't think, oh, everybody's gonna be like America. It's yeah. not like that. But there's differences everywhere. Yeah, you, you can know. Remember, I got, I got, uh, I got kicked out of two bars in Japan, bro, for being a foreigner. That's <laughs> really? It. That's all it took. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, 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 there, there's there's still a lot of racism around the world. You know, there's still a lot, there's all kinds of isms around the world still. Yeah. And yeah. so we we just gotta we just gotta know what we're getting into because you might get in trouble. All right, so the last thing that I, I want to bring back is we were quickly discussing your your new podcast. We didn't even really say what the name was, but the podcast is going to be called Draven's Drive-In. Is that, did I yes, get that and, right? And, and, yeah, so in trying to come up with this podcast, I really couldn't come up with the name because the ideas kind of changed. You know, originally it was going to be just working the territories, uh, but then I got so excited about the project that I said, you know what, I just want to do a full-blown uh, history of professional wrestling, right? And just kind of hit certain sections per episode. So then at that point, I'm like, fuck, well, now I got to come up with another name. And then I, I actually have this podcast called Draven's Drive-In, which was a, a take off the old B-movie fucking, you know, era and shit. And, and I had done a couple episodes a few years ago just talking about movies, and there wasn't really nowhere to put them. I think they're at Geekdom 101, but... but um. That was going to be like my hodgepodge of ideas, the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like you have like Ball So Hard and, yep. you know, so 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 that's why I decided to go, okay, we'll just, we'll just make it a part of the Draven's Driving series. That's pretty much what it's going to, because this, this podcast does have a lifespan. It does have a beginning, middle, and end. This is not something that I, I plan to do. Yeah, obviously, when I'm done talking about the history, the, 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 the you know, the, the, the show's over, you know, so it, 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 it is going to be a project that's going to be kind of like, I'm thinking maybe it'll take me about two years, you know, to kind of finish the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So once that's over with, that's it. And, and so I was like, you know, it's not, I'll just have it as part of Draven's Driving and, and that's where the name came from. 
So the idea to, to I mean, you're obviously a wrestling historian. I, I imagine you're a historian with a lot of your other passions too, right? Like this is just the way that you think about things. Like you want to learn, you know, sort of the, the nuts and bolts uh, and beginning and, and end of, of, you know, all of the things that, that you're interested in. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I hadn't even thought about that until you just brought it up right now. But when you think about it, I've always kind of been inclined to the history. And and so that's really what I look forward to. And, and But with wrestling, like I said, uh, well, I think I didn't say it here. We're talking off air. Um, when I was about 15, I, I started subscribing to the Wrestling Observer newsletter. And that's kind of what really changed my perception of wrestling i always tell people that i wasn't a i wasn't a dumb mark very long and and, and unfortunately when you think about it because you kind of miss out on a lot of just good moments from a storyline perspective just being a fan because when you start yeah once you start seeing wrestling through the eyes of like promoting and you know drawing money uh, you know for better or worse it changes your perspective on on everything and for me it happened very young and at that point, I just wanted to learn about the history of wrestling. And then as you get older, you know, I want to learn about the real history because wrestling has two histories. It has WWE history, uh, which is kind of the accepted history in a lot of places, and it has the real history. And so that that's then I started looking at the real history of wrestling. And it's been about a 22, 23-year journey of doing that. So, you know, that that's kind of where I come from. So are, are the episodes going to be told... Uh, you mentioned the first episode is going to be like the beginning of of man until uh, the 1900. 1900. <laughs> are you going to tell it in a in a chronological order like that, or are you going to go to different time frames based on the different territories? Uh, how do you plan on on doing that for these next two years? Well, well, it's interesting because obviously the the beginning is very sequential. Is it's not very complicated. You know, you went from point A, point E, point C. You know. Um, uh, you know, just to give a little teaser, you know, wrestling started. Did you ever see the movie Gangs of New York? No, I've never seen it. <laughs> well, as as immigration started becoming a thing in, in the 1800s, um, a, a lot of the Europeans brought a lot of traditions with them, and one of them was like wrestling. You know, mm-hmm. catch catch can. You know, those kind of the, different 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 techniques. And wrestling started off in the streets, and 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 you you would have these gangs kind of get together and 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 start wrestling troops. So so that's where it started. Then it went over to the carnivals, and then it went over to like the the, the actual venues and so on and so forth. So as you can see, it's pretty pretty sequential. It's not going to start getting complicated until we get into the territory era, because at that point, you wrestling sprawls all over the place, and things are happening at the same time, but in different locations. So. I was thinking about just kind of giving an overview when I hit that period and then and then doubling back and just doing individual territories. I mean, the important ones, I ain't going to talk about all of them because there was a lot of them. Um, and, and then kind of do it that way and then just move forward. Because once you get back to like Crockett and Vince, it gets easier again. You know, yeah, you, you can talk about all the other ones. But once you get back to Crockett and Vince, it kind of it kind of becomes one lane once again. So that that's my plan for the show. And and and. Every single show is going to be a lot of opinion on my end because I have a lot of knowledge in my head already. But it's also going to be a lot of research because there's a lot of things I don't know. Yep. And so and so I have to go out there and I gotta I gotta do some heavy duty research, and and I do I, I do have contacts with a lot of historians, 
um, that could help me out. And I'm going to extend, you know, uh, I'm going to see if they could help me out with information or tell me where to go. Because I want my the, the podcast to be very detailed as far as certain dates and championships and stories. And, yeah, that, that, that's the plan. And it's going to be kind of an... I want to be very like like the show itself is going to be kind of like a free flowing talking. I'm, I don't want to be one of my biggest fears is that I'm going to be very kind of like uh, a- academic. I don't want to be that. That's what I'm. That's not what the show's going to be. Dean Douglas. <laughs> no, I'm not going to scratch the board. No, I mean anybody that's ever anybody that's ever gone to college and sat through a lecture, you know how boring they could be. Uh, technical mumbo jumbo. So that's something that I don't want to be. I want to again. It's going to be a free flowing. Uh, kind of just talking and, 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 you know, if a joke comes out of there, then a joke's going to come out of there. And that's pretty much it, you know. I'm a, I'm a humanities minor, so I've sat through mo- many a boring lecture before. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so what is the plan as far as, you know, you mentioned you're going to be, wor- you know, hopefully working with some folks who, who can help you out with some of the blind spots that you have. Um, what about as far as getting other people on the show to, to be on it with you? Is that, is that also uh, a plan? Yeah. That, that, and hopefully that happens organically as, as it tends to do in situations like this. Um, you know, eventually either I'll reach out to somebody or somebody's going to reach out to me. Um, because what's going to start to happen is that the way I'm going to promote this show is that I'm going to look for the, uh, for the people that are interested in this kind of show, and I'm going to specifically market it, whether it's message boards or social media, that's where I, and so through that, you're going to start seeing people just come out organically and, you know, just start conversations. And hopefully these people are interested in coming on and, and, and talking a particular era with me. So yeah, that's the plan. And uh, as far as frequency, like how, how often do you think you're going to be putting poc- uh, these podcasts out? I think we're going to get the first one out uh, on Monday, just to start fresh, so we can let the, uh, you know, I, I I thought about putting it out, you know, later this week, but then there's that, you know, the Royal Rumble stuff, and that's probably going to dominate a lot of conversation. So I figured Monday might be a good time to put out the first one. But as far as frequency for the for the you know for the next few shows, what are you expecting? I'm thinking I'm thinking it's going to be a biweekly show. I'm thinking one one every two weeks should should work out pretty good. It doesn't it doesn't put me in a state of constantly you know, feeling pressure to kind of putting it out there. And it, it allows me to go through some journals and some books. And, uh, cause right now I just bought, uh, the, um, there's this guy called, what's his name? Uh, Penny breaker or something like that. They, he was all over the Andre the giant documentary. Uh-huh. Um, he's the one that put out the history of the NWA world title, which is a great book by the way. And he also he he put one called uh, the history of capital wrestling, which I had no idea even existed, bro. And nobody ever talks about capital wrestling, so I, I picked that one up, and that's the one I'm reading now. So I'm kind of excited. So, anyways, point being that um, going two weeks kind of allows me the time to kind of do some research, which is what's important to me. Right, right, right. Got it. Um, cool. No, I mean I'm I'm pretty excited, uh, and uh, we'll be able to uh, post it. And I'll be able to do some, uh, you know, some social media stuff and reaching out and posting it uh, in places too. Um, anything, anything last, anything you wanted to, to bring up about it before we get out of here? Well, yeah, because a lot of the conversations are going to be taking place in the uh, the KLB uh, Facebook page, which has kind of grown, which I'm very happy about. We're at like 65 members right now, and it's pretty cool because I never thought it was going to get that big. 
But um, uh, so a lot of the conversations on this podcast are going to be taking place there. So if anybody wants to join that is the KLB, K Fabulous Lucha Brothers page. Um, you know, go ahead and, 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 you know, hit me up and we'll, we'll add you to the group. And so far right now, we got pretty respectful characters that I know as, as the group grows, we're probably gonna start getting some assholes. That's just the way things are. But that's when we're, that's when I'm going to start kind of bringing the regulator whip on. So, you know, we want, we want people to have a good time there. Um, we do have a very unique sense of humor. I'll leave it at that. And, but if once you catch on, it's, it's some cool people there. So if you guys want to go there, that that's cool. Um, and then I've had some people hit me up about, you know, the the actual K Fabulous Lucha Brothers podcast, which I know there's gonna be people listening here who are fans of that. All I gotta say about that is just stay tuned. You know, there's conversations, and you know, hopefully we could hit, we could give you guys a couple shows a year, um, uh, weekly, maybe not. It's that, that that's that that ship has sailed for a lot of reasons, but at least a couple specials here and there. So yeah, we're definitely thinking about that. So that's pretty much it, bro. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, no, thanks for thanks for coming on and talking about it. So I will link the Facebook group. So the KLB. Uh, K Fabulous Lucha Brothers group is a closed group, but you can uh, request to join. And Draven is the admin, so he can accept or deny. I don't imagine you're denying too many people at this point. Um, but uh, but I'll, I will link that in the notes on on the show. I, I, I should I just say that I'm like Saudi Arabia, bro. I'm denying females. That's, that, that, that's the reason why we don't have any. Oh man. No, but but, but that is not true, by the way. Uh, just females just don't happen to like wrestling, I guess. <laughs> um, um, there are some. That, uh, I have some friends, but yeah, you're right. It, it's probably a <laughs> ni- 95% male demographic here. Um, and so the other thing, though, is you also have a uh, K Fabulous Lucha Brothers Facebook page. That is not the one that you are talking about. It is the group. So look for the group on that end. And then, like I said, I will link it in the, in the notes, but I'm not going to let you get out of here without your little tease of the possibility of your podcast with big D coming back, you know, maybe for some special edition episodes. So I imagine, I imagine you guys are talking about some stuff, so I'll leave it at that, but I just wanted to throw yeah, that yeah, out there yeah. again. And, and I wanted, to, yeah, we want it to be kind of a surprise. So, uh, I don't think we're going to talk about it much until, until it's actually done. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks for uh, jumping on and, and we will have the uh, first episode out on Monday of Draven's drive-in talking about the history of pro wrestling. It's going to be fun. Yes. Thanks. And we'll see you guys in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> For Draven, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.